if you're going to go long term into investment and your account start to grow, you will have to go through all these KYC procedures eventually, regardless of which platform you're on. In this podcast, we take you with us on a journey about economics and investing. By being equipped with different perspectives, we strive to make better and more informed financial decisions. Welcome to Capital Convos. What's up, Greg? We still don't know what to do with this $100 of yours. Good thing we're going to address that in today's episode. All right, so we're going to break down where to set up an account, what are the possibilities, what are the asset classes you can consider, and let's just start right off. Okay, both of us have experience in setting up brokerage accounts. All right. Mine is at IC Markets, not affiliated. I'm just saying where my account is. Where's your account located? So I have a brokerage account at TD Ameritrade. That's one of the biggest international brokerages for people. I think the biggest one is Interactive Brokers. But at that time, I wasn't able to open an account there. But I was able to open one at TD Ameritrade. And that was from within the confines of my home here in Suriname. So I literally opened it behind my computer here as a Suriname citizen. And I assume you opened your IC markets from here as well. Yeah. I think I also had an IC markets account a while ago, but I never really used it. Yeah. So we're going to get into this topic a little bit later, but it, it depends on what your trading style is going to be. I am mostly a currency day trader and Diego is more of a buy and hold investor for the long term, which is why I need a Forex brokerage account and Diego needs more or less a stock investment account, All right? But we'll get into that later. We're just addressing these are the accounts we have experience with. It's important to know you can open these accounts from your home in Suriname, which is very important. And there are some other alternatives in case these are perhaps too difficult for you because for each of these accounts, there's a lot of KYC to go through. What's KYC? It's know your client. It's basically some compliance regulations to make sure you're not doing money laundering or financing illegal terrorism or stuff like that. So the finance industry is very regulated, which is why not a lot of accounts can be opened from Suriname. So all the typical accounts through the typical banks that all the Americans and the Europeans have, there are very few Surinamese people that have access to those accounts, but there are some. So imagine opening a bank account here locally at, you know, one of the local banks, a savings account or a checking account, you know, the hassle that it is with all the paperwork. It's kind of the, pretty much the same deal opening these types of accounts with the KYC procedures that they have, but albeit you can do it from a computer and you will need some paperwork. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to go there physically. Like it is still most often the case here. But the procedure, the regulations are still there. So it is a barrier for most people to enter. But what we want to show that it is possible, we will walk you through on what we did for our respective accounts. And then as Greg said, we'll look at some alternatives. If these are maybe too big a step for you now, which you could possibly look at, and then we'll go through some of those as well. So yeah, start off with yours, Greg, uh, IC markets. What's the deal there? All right. So basically you just sign up with your email address and then they ask you to submit, I believe it was three forms of identification. So it's either your ID card or your passport. You need to provide some proof of residency because when you 
make an account, you have to say where your address is located and you need to send them either a bank statement or a utility bill, which in which the address stated corresponds with the address you submitted and the address from the statement should also correspond with your ID registration. All right. So that's, and they're going to confirm a picture of your, I believe. And then they're also going to want the proof of where your money is coming from. So I'm not saying they need a salary or anything. I'm saying that if you want to submit your funds through either a credit card or a wire transfer, they're going to ask you that information upfront. Otherwise you cannot fund your account. So let's just say, for example, you want your mom to fund your account or an uncle or a brother. That's impossible. You need to fund your account from a bank account that is located in your name. That is very important. Otherwise you won't even be able to get started with IC markets at least. Okay. So quick reference for the people who are listening, how long did it take to go through that whole process and when did you do this? So maybe procedures have changed. So people have a reference of when you opened this account. My account was opened in 2018 and the process from submitting your documents because you need to have them at hand. I'm sure a lot of people have them at hand. It took like two days and we're actually pretty fast. And other people I've recommended to IC markets, they've had similar experiences, just one or two days and then it's all done. So one or two days, you know, from clicking on the website, sign up, you have all your documents at hand, you upload everything. You go through this KYC procedure. How did you fund this account? Was it through a credit card, bank transfer? How'd you get your money on the account to be able to start, you know? Oh, I have a credit card at one of the local banks. And that was also really easy. If you submit your credit card information, it's instantly deposited into your trading account. So you put in your information, it's like buying an order online. It's use. It goes off your account and it's instantly in your trading account. And I guess the final question, I think that most people would have in such a situation, assume you have your money there, usually credit card transactions are one way, right? And you've traded, say you made some money and then the big question or the most frequent question that I get asked is how'd you get your money back? Mm -hmm. So I see markets is actually pretty simple. I think they found a loophole in the system, which is if you fund your account and you do a withdrawal, if the deposit has been within six months, they see it as a refund. So it gets processed by your bank as a refund. Even though you're withdrawing from the account, it gets processed as a refund and you can instantly uh, get access to your money. Is it refunded to your credit card or is it straight to your bank account? It depends on how you fund your account. If you funded your account through credit card deposit, then it's withdrawn as a credit card refund. And if it's funded through a wire transfer, then it's also going to get sent back as a wire transfer. Okay. That's, that's very good to know actually. And yeah, you said you funded through a credit card. Do you know of anyone who has experience or have you actually checked that, you know, from an actual bank account here to a bank transfer, albeit, you know, their transaction fees per day, which are usually higher, but was that a possibility? 
Yeah, so I believe one of the local banks had an issue with funding the account because they saw it as speculation. So the guy that wanted to open the account at IC Markets, they were able to, but when the time actually came to transfer the funds from their local bank through a wire transfer into their IC Markets account, the local bank here did not want to participate in that because they said it was risky behavior, speculation, and they, they, they didn't want to participate in that. But for my account specifically through a credit card deposit, I had zero issues. Okay. So the recommendation would be, you know, check with your local bank account yourself, what their policies are regarding these types of activities. Yeah. Usually if you talk it through to them, cause if it's, you know, especially international transfers, they want accountability within that, but that's why we really recommended a credit card in a previous episode that that will open doors for you for a lot of online activities. And as you can see from Greg's experience, this is one, one good example of where that came handy. Yeah. And just to know that if you do a wire transfer, either deposit or withdrawal, there's a lot of fees that come with it, but with a credit card, it's fee-less and it, it's instant. It's very convenient. You would be missing a lot by not using that option. And how about you, Diego? I opened my account at TD Ameritrade. That is a, as I mentioned before, a inter large international brokerage. They're the second or third in North America, at least. And one of the biggest worldwide. So for me, the process was pretty similar. You sign up to the website, you click select what type of account it should be individual business for the most people as city dealers, it would be individual unless you have, you know, a big business or you are already well versed in this environment. But for most people, an individual, they'll tell you what you'll need. If you're a U.S. citizen, you, you have a standard uh, social security checks, yada, 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 but that's not really interesting for us. So as a foreign individual, one from Suriname, it's pretty similar to yours, proof of identification. So you'll need to upload something like your passport or your ID card, proof of residency. This can be through a utility bill, bank transfer. And of course, the same KYC procedures as you'll need a funding source or depending on what it is, you could also upload an employment uh, letter that helps your, helps build your case because they really screen that. What you have to do after you upload that, I opened my account in 2018 as well. So we started around the same time, I guess. <laughs> Uploaded those documents, they'll send you a verification email with some additional document requirements, because you'll need to send what I had to do, at least a signed document and I, I had to fax it. I'm not sure why. Faxing? Really? I'm not sure why, maybe because, you know, the finance space is very highly regulated and they go through a lot of security checks. Maybe that hasn't been phased out yet, but I had to sign a document like paper and pen, sign a document and send it through a fax. And then they, so I had to actually find the fax. Luckily my mom's employer at the time still had fax machine. So faxed it to that number. Unfortunately, the quality of the fax wasn't that great. So I think one of the documents wasn't really legible. And so the email be back. So if I could email that, uh, a scan of that document, mm. so I could email it. So hopefully they transition fully online for that KYC part to email, but that's actually what I had to go through in 2018. 
And how long did that process take? Because there was some back and forth going through. So eventually, how many days, weeks did that process take? Yeah, it, that took a while. So I submitted it somewhere beginning of October, I think. And I hadn't, after I sent the fax and the email correspondence with the final check, they said they would mail, like post a physical post letter with your verification and login key for your first login, right? So they actually send you a letter through post. Did you have to pay for that, by the way? No, they, they just post that. So for us, I think a surplus just sent it over and I had to wait, I think about a month before oh. that got here. Cause I think that was the delay because yeah. it has to get here through mail and it was a month. I didn't hear anything. So. I gotta say though, their customer service was really helpful. So what I did, I actually called them up and told them, you know, I've been waiting for so long to submit it. I, it had been approved. I'm just waiting for my verification key so, to activate my account. And they actually helped me through the phone. They, they went through the security check with me. What's your name, birthday, the things I submitted just to check that. And then, okay, they said, I can help you set up your account now through the phone. So if you go behind your PC, logged in, and then they basically told me that the, the activation code through the phone. Wow. And that's how I opened my account. Funny though, I think a week or a few days after that call, I finally got the, the activation code through the mail. So yeah, depending on when you do it and where, how they post it, your mileage may vary, but when in doubt, just call customer service. That's one thing I learned. Just pick up the phone and call them directly. Yeah, because I know a lot of people, they don't take the time to set up the accounts, do the due diligence because of all the questions, all the forms. But you said you actually called them and they went through the whole process with you. Like sometimes people just need someone to hold their hand just to get that first step in the door. And once they've got their foot in the door, a whole new world opens up. But let's just say people are, there are some people that just want the quick, easy way to set up an account, quick, get it instantly verified, just buy some assets, just to see if investing is something for them. Before okay. we go into that, I do want to mention one more thing, the, the funding process. This this one thing I haven't mentioned yet, right? So actually when I was on the phone with customer service, the customer service rep, he actually asked me like, do I want to fund it immediately, et cetera, et cetera. So you can actually do a bank transfer from here to there. So they have all those details in your account and he was willing to help me through that process. So of course there are fees depending on your bank as well. And I assume you would have to check with your local bank as well, what you had with that speculation incident or, or, or your friend at least with a speculation incident, but the option is there for just an international transfer. It would be like any other like personal or business transaction you would do. Uh -huh. But in my case, I was very fortunate. I already had a account abroad. I have a bank account at TD Bank America. So they both fall under the TD trademark under the same holding company. So they have a easy integration, but I guess this is with any US bank account that you can just, you know, link your TD Ameritrade and your TD bank account with, you, with each other and you just transfer the money from your checking account basically to 
the your broker. Okay. Uh, so that was my convenience to kind of avoid fees and fund it more easily. But the funding options are there. And speaking of funding, was there a minimal amount that you needed to start with? Is it a few thousand dollars, a few hundred dollars? Because for my case, it was a minimum of two hundred dollars. There wasn't a minimum, but the guy did suggest, I think it was $50 just to, you know, start off. Yeah. Uh, but not that they had a hard minimum. I do remember why I didn't check interactive brokers anymore, because I think they had a minimum of 250 or $300 that you had to start. Yeah. You know, okay. In that verification. All right. Okay. So going from there, if someone says, okay, I don't want to go through all of this compliance stuff. I have perhaps less than the minimum required to start an account. I just want to start, get my feet wet, find out if investment is something for me. Are there possible accounts, Diego? Yeah, there are other alternatives, as we mentioned in the beginning to the two we used. And actually I used a lot of these alternatives as well, but we wanted to give a brief overview of, you know, the traditional route. And before we mention and go through some of those, there is one caveat I do want to give is that eventually if you're going to go long-term into investment and your accounts start to grow, you will have to go through all these KYC procedures eventually, regardless of which platform you're on. Do you mean that as, as your account becomes larger and larger, that the res that the restrictions and the compliance becomes larger or? As you start to get more money, you want to put it where it's safer and then you put it in the traditional accounts. In, okay. in your first case, if your account gets larger and you're using one of these platforms that you didn't have to go through this, all these KYCs in the beginning, there is a limit to the, to how big your account can go. So once you pass this threshold, you'll have to go to additional KYC, otherwise your money or your a portfolio will be stuck there until you go through that KYC. Mm. Uh -huh. But they lower that barrier entry for a lot of beginners, for a lot of retailers just to taste the markets, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. So regarding alternative accounts that you can set up, the classic one is through a crypto-based account. And if we're talking about crypto-based accounts, the obvious, the most people would consider the gold standard in accounts would be making a Binance. Could we please explain just for a few seconds what Binance is and how they operate? Yeah, surely. So in 2017, especially the crypto market, you had a big, a huge crypto bull run. And this gave chance to a lot of individuals to use crypto as an access point to get into these alternative markets and use them to get access to stocks, the traditional investment types through derivatives. We'll cover that probably in a future episode, but it was a way to get access. And Binance was established, I think 2017 as well, around that time, and has quickly grown to be one of the largest crypto exchanges in the world, period. And they've gone through a lot of KYC procedures. They have offices all over the world and them being the biggest gives them, I guess, kind of a authority figure or kind of trust figure for most individuals to start there. So yes, Binance is just a exchange, basically a broker, but with, with crypto being first. 
Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So that's if you're considering a crypto-based account. But we have a different one that's called Uphold. And through Uphold, it's actually also a crypto-based exchange, which you can use those assets to buy traditional assets. So you can fund your account. You just need an email address and then deposit some crypto assets into that account. And you can buy traditional assets like stocks and bonds. They have the, the typical, I would say the top 100 stocks in there. You can buy Berkshire Hathaway, Google, Microsoft, most of the assets you would want to hold for the long term. So let's just say you want to have a brokerage account, but you don't want to trade cryptocurrencies because it's not up to your risk tolerance. You can still use crypto based assets, crypto based platforms to buy traditional based assets. Right, so th- there is a way for you to access the markets, even if you want to start small, even if you don't want to do all the risky assets like cryptocurrencies, maybe not for you, but you just want to buy some stock. There's a way to, f- to do that. Yeah, definitely. And uphold is, I also have an uphold account, so I do have experience with it. And as you said, it was for the easy email address. Yeah, 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 that filled it in and. I think you do have to go to a base KYC with address that you have to upload, but that's way, way less than all the paperwork I had to go through and back and forth with the TD Ameritrade. Yeah. You can open different wallets there. You have the crypto wallets and then you have the derivatives. Fun fact, the with Uphold, Uphold is the partner platform for, if you've been using the Brave browser, really are the, the, the partner platform for the brief wallet. Wow. So all your rewards, uh, if you don't know what the brief browser is, Google, uh, brief browser is basically a Chrome based browser with added and extensive privacy and protection with ad free blocking. And actually they pay you to watch ads in crypto and that go gets rewarded to your uphold account. So you can get money by browsing the internet. Basically. Yes. But. If I, I started using Brave, we're going on a slight tangent here, but I, I think this is a nice example. In 2017, 2018, I, I wrote a few blogs about it and they had this referral, referral program and the basic attention token, which is the token or currency used for the Brave browser was very low at the time. And browse, using Brave for, I think, three years now, three to four years. If I had not sold a single, single reward I earned from using the Brave browser, today my Brave Uphold account would equal to around 400 or $500 in US dollars just by using the Brave browser. But wow. of course I sold here and there. It's, it's not that much at the moment. I think it's around a hundred or 200, but if I had not sold anything from the rewards, Today, it would be around 500. I think at its peak a few months ago, it would near a thousand dollars. Wow. That's by doing nothing other than what you would regularly do on the internet. Yeah. And just activating your uphold wallet with break and connecting, setting it up. Uh-huh. Uh, but that was a slight tangent, uh, with alternative platforms. Another one, I think it is very good to mention is FTX. FTX is uh, also a crypto based brokerage account, but it's very popular among traders. 
uh, not so much for long-term passive investors, but more speculators, traders who need a lot of liquidity in the markets. And they've quickly grown as well. I think they started in 2018 or 2019. And they are now considered one of the trading platforms from with a crypto approach. And they also have like derivatives for a lot of stocks, etc. So if that is an option for you, same procedure like most, you go to the base uh, KYC and... But still not as stringent as TD Ameritrade or those traditionals. No. Basically, any alternative with a crypto approach, the K their KYC is very flexible at the beginning. It's only once your account starts growing mm -hmm. that you have to go. Basically, they have levels of verification. Mm -hmm. First level, you have limited. You only have access to a few of their features and you can only withdraw to a maximum amount of maybe a thousand or two thousand, depending on the platform. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's take, for example, just put to put this KYC into perspective. I believe with Binance, you can open an account, very tradition, very basic KYC, but you can only withdraw up to one Bitcoin per week, if I'm not mistaken, one week or one month. So that would be around now, now that would be around thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars right. I gotta say that's actually still pretty good because I remember Coinbase, for example, which is another alternative platform and Coinbase is very US based. Now it's, they kind of restricted it to US citizens for the most part. And before they put this restriction, I had a Coinbase account and you could maximum withdraw, not even withdraw, transact up to $10,000. Wow. So deposit and withdraw. Mm. period for your account. That was the max. Okay. If you to do more, you had to go through the verification. So it depends on every platform, but yeah, there's more leniency from the crypto approach as of today with the current state. Just if you have the hundred dollars, we're trying to invest a hundred dollars, the base level, level one KYC for most of these crypto exchanges will be more than enough to facilitate your accounts for the next coming years. All right. So let's do a quick recap on what we covered. So quickly, if you want to go through the traditionals that we mentioned, and then we'll recap the alternatives. And then I think that's a good place to close this episode off. All right. So the, con the traditional brokerage accounts, what we would consider are the classic stock accounts, stock brokerage accounts, or the classic well-established Forex accounts, All right. Our examples, what we use are interactive brokers, TD Ameritrade, and me, myself, I use a Forex based account. That's IC markets, right? Just because we are naming these names, that doesn't mean we advise you to put your money there and we are not liable if you follow our advice. Yeah. And this is just to show that it is possible to open the accounts the traditional way. And of course, there are a lot of alternatives now. And some of the alternatives we mentioned, Binance being the biggest crypto broker exchange. Another alternative would be Apple. This has access or possibilities to invest in traditional stock markets. So like if you want Tesla stuff or Apple stuff, for example, and if you're more speculative, the counterpart of IC markets in the crypto space, I would consider then FTX. Mm. There you have it. That's the list of some exchanges, brokers, accounts that we recommend you look at. 
of course, do it, make your due diligence, see what's possible for you, which feels more comfortable to you, depending on your approach. If you want to go the traditional route or the crypto route and some options that are very much possible to just open from here local. Yeah. And just to prep them on what type of documents they might need, just to summarize it, you would probably need some form of identification. It's either your password or your ID card. You will most likely need some type of utility statement to verify your address with the corresponding ID, with the corresponding address you listed in your ID card or passport. That's usually your electricity bill, your water bill, and perhaps a statement from your bank listing your address. Those are the basic levels of KYC documents they might ask you. Other than that, yeah, other than the thread out, we'll link all of these accounts, these platforms in the description as well. And feel free to test them out. Just try the first step to, you know, investing is you, you will need a brokerage account of some kind to interact with the market. So this will be your gateway to that. Yes. All right. Great. Thanks for, thanks Diego. Have a great day. The information in this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional financial advice. All content, including text, graphics, and images contained in this podcast is for general information purposes only and does not replace a consultation with your financial or tax professional.